Well, it's yeah. so it's so interesting. Uh-huh. I, I was at the University of Illinois in Champaign Urbana, and I had dance classes there. Okay. When I went home, mm-hmm. and I heard those drums that mm-hmm. boom, ba, da, ka, ka. It spoke to me, mm-hmm. and I knew it. Absolutely. It was that's where spirit meets spirit. That was where the universe speaking to me that this is where you belong. As a dance educator and master of the Dunham technique, Keith Williams understands the commitment necessary for youth to pursue their passions. He has nurtured young dance talent for years at the Grand Center Arts Academy in St. Louis and received the Art Educator of the Year Award at the 2018 St. Louis Arts Awards. He sits down with us to discuss youth development in the arts. I am originally from East St. Louis, Illinois. how I became a dancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's interesting, the pathway. My family was a family of uh, who celebrated life. And so I actually grew up, my grandmother, my aunts, all they danced all the time. So dance was an integral part of our celebration of family, of community, you know, of relationships. In terms of my formal training, uh, I actually uh, attended the University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana and was wanting to be a physical therapist. And um, I took some classes. I had taken a few classes at the Dunham School in, in high school, but I had no formal training at that point. But when I went to the University of Illinois, I took a few classes, dance classes. Oh, I like this, I like this. And I think I just kind of kind of a natural uh, ability and a gift and was drawn to, to dance as a way of expressing myself. And uh, what really was the big, big shift for me is when I went home uh, for the weekend and I went to it was at that time it was a performing arts training center at uh, Southern, Southern Illinois University in East St. Louis that Miss Dunham had set up this center that provided training for any inner city youth in East St. Louis. And I took a class with Archie Savage, who was Miss Dunham's first partner. And Archie was an incredible teacher. Um, uh, and there must have been about six drummers in the class, if you will, if you can imagine the rhythm, the spirit, and the energy of having six master drummers in one class. Wow. I was so taken by the experience. It was just, it was it was really where spirit meets spirit, and it spoke to me in a very, very sincere and deep way, and I went back to my mom that evening, and I said, I want to transfer. Wow. She said, okay, and I went back to Univers- University of Illinois, and I transferred, I came back, and I started studying uh, dance seriously at the Dunham School. And uh, I was able to work with Miss Dunham directly and with the master instructors who were part of her first company. Um, and I had just an incredible uh, reservoir of information and experience and training that came to me from that experience. Uh, so you touched on how you were a physical therapist. You're, you're going to physical therapy school? I wanted. I thought I wanted thought to be. Uh, but <laughs> So could you explain a little bit more about your experience in terms of realizing that that wasn't what you wanted to do? When you saw that dance was what you wanted, how did you? Well, it's, yeah. so, it's so interesting. Uh-huh. I, I was at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana, and I had dance classes there. Okay. And they right. were Lamont and Modern, be a tree and a pop. And fall, look into the leaves. Da, 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 da. I said, okay, okay. When I went home mm-hmm. and I heard those drums, mm-hmm. that, and contract, 
spoke to you. It spoke to me, mm-hmm. and I knew it. Absolutely. It was that's where spirit meets spirit. That was where the universe speaking to me that this is where you belong. Did anyone disagree with you or want to push mm-hmm. back? Everyone no, was supportive no. of you. Well, everyone. The the most important person was my mom. That makes and sense. my mom. I, it's so interesting that my mom and my family at that time. This is the seventies, if you will, in East St. Louis, and so. It was not necessarily common or um, a prevailing thing that young men were being dancers during that time, but I was for I was fortunate and blessed to have a family that embraced my pathway in the arts. Mm-hmm. There was no question about sexuality; it was about me expressing myself and them honoring me. You know, honoring what I wanted to do, and I, I attribute that to my parents, who were very open-minded and often many times my friends would say Keith you received the right of passage mm. the right of passage the right to be and they allowed me to be myself and so I didn't get pushed back so in terms of your inspirations I know that you um, trained under Catherine Dunham mm-hmm. and you also teach at the school so how, how influential was she in terms of your ability to kind of transition into that and then in terms of your blossoming as a dancer too uh, well you know it's I am a dancer but at the Dunham school mm-hmm. at that point it was more than just dance, mm. you know. It, of course, part of the philosophy of Dunham technique is form and form and function, but it's also developing the whole individual. And I always tell my class, it's a trilogy: it's the integration of body, mind, and spirit. And so, Miss Dunham deals with the developing the whole individual. So, part of the Dunham training, even from her schools in New York City, city in the nineteen forty four, is that you 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 received a very wide range of training. You had acting classes, you had dance classes, you had vocal classes, you even had costume design classes, you had language classes, you know, and we had religion classes, and it was just very integrated. It was very holistic. So it was all about developing the whole individual, because Miss Dunham did pieces where you had to sing and you had to act, and you were in. A, you were in a Dunham class, they would ask you, what are you doing and why are you doing it? Mm. So the dance came from the inside out. It was not a outside in. You had to, they often led you to question and discover and, and dive into who you are and what you're doing. That's a very uh, fundamental part of Dunham technique. Uh, uh, and, and that for me, dance, and as a teacher now, in terms of guiding my student, why are you dancing? Right. So, in terms of the Dunham experience, it was very, um, it was collective. It was a, a composite of, uh, again, of developing the whole individual. I think in our organization, we try to do the same thing too, although we, we have a, we're have a dance ensemble, but we also try to enrich them in terms of leadership, in terms mm-hmm. of experience, and in terms of media, mm-hmm. um, as we see here. And I, I think it's really interesting that you talk about that because a lot of programs, especially in terms of creative fields, you have to really give it your all in order to be successful in that field. Mm-hmm. And so can you share a little bit of your experience in terms of how you've been able to be successful in the arts, especially because people who are younger looking into it are like, uh-oh, I know that I need to do science, I need to do math in order to be successful, but there's there's some room in there for art and all the different things that it can be. Well, I think going back again, when you were at the Performing Arts Training Center under Ms. Dunham's direction was education. Mm-hmm. Education was formidable. It was it was it was a must. Right. There were no options. You were actually expected to get a degree. You were expected to learn. You were expected to branch out and dwell and dive into becoming a a, a well rounded individual. Uh, that's just the, the humanities, you know, and and learning. 
But um, when you asked me that question, I just thought of an, a certain experience. When we were in Carnegie Hall at, at Miss Dunham, we were doing a repertoire original with three generations. She stayed on me. I mean, mm. constantly. What is he? What young man? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What's his name? At the time, she didn't really know. What's his name, Linwood? Da, da, that's Keith. Da, da, she stayed on me. Yeah, that's correct. Your hip, your pelvis. Da, da. Why are you moving? Da, da, da. And I was just getting frustrated. I was getting frustrated. And we had a break. And on the break, Linwood Morris, who was Miss Dunham's ballet master, and Archie Savage, her first partner, they came into the hallway and said, Keith, she's staying on you because she likes you. She sees the diamond in the rough. And I say that I use that story as an analogy to say that it's constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. And so that became like the format in terms of how I approached my art and how I approached learning and how I approached developing that everything that I can add to this basket, I'm becoming better and I'm growing and be open and receptive, receptive to constructive criticism because constructive is building up. It's not tearing down. So that mantra, that perspective, that consciousness became is a fundamental part of how I approach my art. And as I grew into my art and gained more experiences, by the time I went to New York and uh, and worked with other directors and choreographers, whenever they would get on me, I'd already had that experience to welcome constructive criticism, to, to know that a person that's giving you that constructive criticism is basically trying to build you up to be your best self. And it was that challenge of looking inside myself and discovering the best of myself and becoming that best artist. Excellent. That, that answers your question. No, I just use that experience to um, parlay into that. Uh -huh. So in terms of your choreography and the inspiration that you pull from, where, where do you go in order to create the moves that you want to create? Well, you know, I'm trained, Dunham, but I'm I train in all kinds of styles of dance. But also, I have my masters in directing. Oh, okay. So that's a become that's a major part of my platform of storytelling. Miss Dunham was a master storyteller, and I think I've inherited that that gift, if you will, or that desire to be clear in what I'm, the stories that I'm telling, mm -hmm. that dance is not just a physical form, and there is a function, there's a reason. And so part of my choreography is oftentimes very strong storylines. They have beginnings, middles, and ends, and they have characters, the dancers have objectives. They have conflict, and you have to overcome that conflict to achieve that objective of mm -hmm. what you need. And in that transition, sometimes we have to go through very uh, challenging periods where we're discovering. And part of that, I build characters and I create situations and scenes and conflicts that builds tension in pieces. I tend to deal with pieces that deal with social justice, mm -hmm. that uh, provide a platform or an experience for the audience, if you will, if they're seeing this piece, that they become a better person, that that provokes thought. It, ha it, it requires them or encourages them or incites them to look at themselves a little bit deeper uh, in terms of dealing with, with social issues. For example, one of my students says, Mr. Keith, this is your legacy piece that you're going to leave the world. And that's a piece I did called The Ties That Bind. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were talking in the wisdom circle and I was sharing that part, I think, of my my journey, if you will, of what as a focus and that I would leave my young people is my ability or willingness to 
look at young people's lives and what they're going through, what they're dealing with, what the subject matter is, what their trials, what their tribulations are, what their struggles are. And then I can go into history, my experience or even my ancestors and connect the dots, if you will. I always say absence of the struggle breeds complacency. If you have no struggle, you become very complacent. But young people say, oh, that's your generation. You don't understand what we're dealing with. Oh, yeah. Let me just show you this. Let me show you that when I uh, when I showed that video of Castile being shot in that car mm-hmm. and then I go back. And I show you a lynching for the from 1933 to 1944. It's a a human experience and it's an injustice. And so I often will use media, videography, the human experience to connect the dots for my young people to know that your struggle today is it's different. It's different. It has there's different characters, there's different situations, but it's all connected. And I think it shines light in terms of just how relevant and and dire the need for us to never always remind our young people what our ancestors sacrificed for us, but also what you're going through. Mm-hmm. That it's not so. It's, I don't want to hear about slavery. Well, well. It's mm-hmm. a part of what, that's, it's no shame in that. If I use part of that in my piece, I may connect it to something very current. Mm-hmm. That, that, that injustice is, is very prevalent in, uh, in our everyday, in our experience now. And so, in terms of inspiring your youth to create too, I'm curious because you're talking about your the past experiences. Mm-hmm. What do you get your youth to pull upon in their current experiences to create their own work? So, especially since they're so young, too. Yeah, you yeah. Know. For me, like, mm-hmm. like, uh, like my mentee Tobias, mm-hmm. he's an incredible dancer. He's an incredible singer. He's an incredible visual artist, but he's also an incredible spoken word artist. And um, I use his piece. Uh, Black Boy Magic. Okay. And it's it's it was the end of the whole theatrical work of the Ties of Mind, which is about an hour and twenty minutes of his journey. And he mm-hmm. actually is the young man that goes through this journey. And um the piece actually starts with him at a family reunion and he has a conflict with someone that's come to the family reunion and a weapon is pulled out. Well, the spirits of ancestors release that gun and they take him on this journey that you must experience your greatness. You mm-hmm. must experience your strength in order to know what you come from, that you would inflict pain or harm on anyone who looks like you. And at the end, I'm, I mean, I'm going fast, fast forwarding to your question. I use his black boy magic. It's something that he wrote. It's a black boy magic. My alligator shoes. Look at me. I am black magic I am strong I am independent I defy your negative stereotypes and so I use what he wrote and purposefully use that to honor what he and my young people were experiencing mm-hmm. now his black boy magic meant a lot for black girl magic mm-hmm. black girls rock it's an affirmation of who you are of your strength of your right to be here without apology and your right to be here gives you courage, gives you strength. It makes you resilient. It makes you, you can recover over any obstacle or challenges. And to answer your question, so I try to tap into their voice mm-hmm. and I honor their voice. 
And I think it affirms that they are part of this creation. They are part of this creativity. I even take them to acting, acting exercises where I get them to just demonstrate both in physical action and even with dialogue in terms of what they're experiencing. So I think a, a part of that is honoring. We have to give value to what our young people are experiencing. And then we can utilize that in a creative way to add that to what we're doing. And they see that I am valued. I am important. My voice is important. And this is a, this is an elder who's honoring what I have to contribute. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's funny that you say that because I, I know you're going to see me as a young person as well. When I think about our youth, I think the same thing in terms of they have valid experiences and it's using those experiences that um, that kind of inspire them into the work that they do. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, we, I always, in terms of working with them and the fact that we include media in our program, I think it's really important that when they start to do things where they're in front of a camera, in front of a mic, they're thinking about what is it that I've experienced and using that for them in terms of spoken mm-hmm. word or there's poetry mm-hmm. or however they want to do it, whether mm-hmm. it's podcasting or, rap or whatever. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that I just I just resonated very strongly with that. What do you think the number one issue facing youth artists today is? Having avenues and opportunities to develop their art. Hmm. And by that, you mean programs? But by programs uh-huh. that that really hone in on really solid training. Mm-hmm. And then outlets for which they can utilize that art. You know, I mean, of course, people can go to school, they can go to a university, but oftentimes in some settings in universities, in particular people of and black and brown children, they sometimes don't have the opportunity of the programs that, that which affirms who they are. And we deal every day in terms of being immersed in uh, society, a European perspective, and it's all good. I think you should you should learn from all aspects. You know, you put whatever you can in your basket mm-hmm. is learning. But I think having the opportunities to receive the really good solid training to have, I think, is important as we did earlier to have mentorship and conversations because oftentimes, oftentimes we get so engrossed in our art. And learning that sometimes we don't learn the business of the art either. Mm. The business of the it's art. very important. Because I mean, you, be, you can express yourself and do your art, but you really do need to be very entrenched and learn the basis of the business of the art. What is, what is your brand? How are you, what, what brand are you building? Right. And, and also, in addition to their art, the brand is the complete and whole individual. Mm-hmm. I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier in terms of uh, the, whole, the whole Dunham philosophy of the whole individual of body, mind, and spirit. And so that wisdom circle, that gathering of, of elders and young people to have a conversation. Oh, we're, we're, so, we're so busy today mm-hmm. on our, in social media and moving so fast that sometimes we don't have the opportunity to sit down and really have a discussion and communicate with each other and to hear and listen to each other, to share from our elders and, and sharing with young people that we can really have a conversation. Sometimes not just about the, the, the uh, enjoyment of the art, but sometimes there's pain and there's conflict and sometimes they need to be guided. And I think part of that too is learning the business of the art. How do you market yourself? How do you build your brand? What, what, what can you do and what can you learn to um, affirm longevity? And then is your art purposeful? Is it for self or is it giving to others? It is, is it uplifting yourself and therefore an uplifting community? Mm-hmm. Is it making an impact? 
you know, on others to make this place and this planet a better place in which to live. Absolutely. So I want to do the opposite of the question. I want to say, okay. what is the number one thing that's given that provides an opportunity for young artists today? You know, it, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is like it's it's um, everything is seemingly it's just you 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 have access to so much stuff today. You yeah. know, the media, social media. It's, it's just a plethora of you're just inundated with stuff and people. And I think it's great that people have the opportunity to express themselves. And so you you have Instagram, you have Facebook, you have saying YouTube, you can post things on YouTube. And so you can see people expressing themselves. You have an opportunity to see the varied ways in which people uh, express themselves or they're showcasing their art. Uh, they're a lot more risk takers these days. But I think... Um, you don't yeah. think it outweighs? I, I I think there's a lot of power and beauty in it mm-hmm. that you can people can have access to what you are doing and they and they can see you. And at the same time, I at and the flip side of that is that us building more collective structured opportunities where we can create create the opportunity for our younger people to have more resources in which to develop their art. Okay. Because sometimes we they, they do need resources to develop their art. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think people think social media is a resource, which it is. Yeah. But there's still, even to but your point earlier, there's still a business behind that. Too. It's a business. So yeah, you can post and, and, it. But, and it's mm-hmm. an intense need to really get that really solid training too. Yeah. And along with you doing self-expressing, expressing yourself, having that training, part of that training too is not, is, is, assisting and developing their artistic voice. Right. At the same time, we need to be are, are developing their business sense about the business. Mm-hmm. And that's why it goes back to education. Being able to, can you read your contract? Can you really understand? Do you understand what a manager, you know, what an agent is? And what, what organizations, what unions are out there? Do you understand how they work? Right. You know, you need to have that business sense as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Culture Cipher Podcast by Heritage Works. This activity is supported in part by the McGregor Fund, the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan, the Michigan Council for Arts and Cultural Affairs, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Additional support is provided by the Kresge Foundation and the Fred and Barbara Erb Family Foundation. To learn more about Heritage Works and the work we do in the community, visit heritageworks.org.